This is Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast hosted by Maggie Lovett. Welcome back to Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast, a podcast that goes through Taylor Swift's entire musical catalog chronologically. We're back for season two, and it seems only fitting that we should be discussing Taylor Swift's second album and first re-release, Fearless. Today, we'll be discussing three of the most iconic tracks from this album. But before we get to that, I need to welcome back a very special Starbucks lover. Joining me today is Arzu, host of Space Waffles. Hello. Welcome back. Are you ready to talk about teenage drama? I am ready to flashback to being 18 and far too melodramatic for my own good. Oh, gosh. These tracks just brought so much back. Uh, Listening over them again. Um, And since you're an old friend of the show, I don't feel like we need to do a reintroduction of you to our listeners. Hopefully they already know. Exactly. They already know all about your love for Taylor Swift. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Since the last time we were together, there has been a little and a lot and a little of nothing in terms of Taylor Swift news. Uh, I think the last time we were together, I had theorized that by now we would know what album she's re-releasing Silence series for um, Speak Now would have been out by now. Yes. And frankly, I've never heard silence quite this loud uh, to quote (laughs) Taylor Swift herself. Uh, It's been it's been a weird couple of months. I thought for sure we'd have maybe a date every 13th of every month has passed. It's come and gone. But we do have a new Taylor Swift track coming out this Friday. By the time that you listen to this episode, which comes out on the 13th, you will already heard this this track. This was a highly anticipated uh, collaboration between Ed and Taylor Swift. Uh, Swifties, myself included, have been theorizing about this track for uh, quite a while. Uh, there was a promo video that Ed did where he was wearing a like biker jacket that had a patch on it that was like, a queen and a joker. Anybody who was obsessed with the Red Tour, like I was, who was very sad about not getting to go on the Red Tour, knows their whole little Joker and Queen act that they had there. So it all makes sense. And I'm just so delighted for this uh, collaboration. I do not know that other Swifties don't really like her collaborations with Ed. I uh, I like them. I enjoy okay. them. Okay. Because I'm like, I love Everything Has Changed. Like, that's one oh of my God, favorite so tracks. Good. It's so good. And I, for some reason, I like logged on to my Taylor Swift pod Twitter account today and it was just like a wall of people complaining. And I was like, this is heartbreaking. I thought we all loved Ed. (laughs) I I guess not. I don't know. Everything has changed is so nice. Like, how do you not like, I don't know. Uh, And are you ready for it? His, I love singing his bridge on there. I don't know. I'm excited for it. It sounded really good. We got a teaser clip of it. I'm sure I will have listened to it a hundred times by the time this episode is in your earbuds. Um, I will say there has been a blondie spotting. There's been a couple. She seems to be back in New York City right now. Just this week, there was a sighting of her with her mom. She had her keyboard with her as she was leaving. Um, I think it wasn't actually, I think it was Jack Antonoff's apartment. Uh, so clearly something's going on. Uh, very excited to see what that is, whether it is. I keep hoping for a long pond session uh, for uh, Evermore. You know, we'll get, yeah. eventually we'll get or that. the third one, the third album in that little family. Yes, I, I believe in this trilogy. Um, and unlike some other trilogies, I know that the third will not let me down. She's going to put <laughs> some work into this one and not do it halfway. <laughs> yes, she knows because uh, she's seen this film before. She didn't like the ending. 
Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what it is. Um, we also got some Joe Alwyn spotting. Um, both of them were spotted at a, a restaurant or something in New York. Uh, I love TikTok for alerting me, alerting me to all of these things. It brings me great joy. Uh, we also got, you know, keeping on the Taylor Swift topics still kind of tangentially, uh, the Confessions with Friends trailer with Joe Alwyn, which I'm very excited for. Uh, of course, that's why Taylor was in Ireland so much uh, last year. And I'm hoping some of that has influenced whatever she's working on now, whether it's a re-release oh or not. God. I'm very oh excited. Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Look, I have this like secret dream. I'm like, what if she releases a St. Patrick's Day album? <laughs> Listen, by by the time the next episode is out, we'll, we'll know. We'll, we'll have hands at least. We'll be as reasonably a St. Patrick's Day baby, I would love Taylor Swift to do Irish music. Like just go sit in a pub somewhere, listen to the music, absorb it, and write me some music, Taylor Swift. Um, we ask for so uh, little. We ask for so little. And I know she listens to this, obviously. <laughs> she will listen to you me. You don't know. She might. She could. She could. Hi, Taylor. That, that terrifies me. Um, thanks for listening to all of my Fiddleswift rants. <laughs> I forgot about those. Uh, also, if you are listening, Taylor, uh, block your ears because I'm going to complain about <laughs> one of your friends for a second. <laughs> Uh, I watched uh, Shark Stick at Sundance, uh, which was the film by uh, Lena Dunham. Uh, and it was just funny because we had talked about Lena Dunham on our last episode. I looked over some of her old notes. Uh, and, you know, she thanks Taylor and Joe at the end of this film. And this was genuinely one of the worst films I have ever watched. Um, literally half star rating material, like not going to write a review. It was so bad. Uh, so, yeah, I was just like, why, why did this have to be the movie they get a special thanks? <laughs> sad because if she's going down she's taking them with her she took them down with her uh but yeah uh swifties if you want to watch a movie that taylor swift is connected to don't watch that one uh just just don't just just pass on it uh you are not missing anything uh but without further ado and without any good segue to move into the fearless era yes i love this era so Uh, much this was the era that made me a swifty same i'm very very nostalgic about this album this was definitely an album um right off the bat what is your favorite track i was going to start talking about myself but i want to know what your favorite track is i'm corny and you know this and you know you had to know love story would be my favorite track of course it is but no but just like picture 18 year old me on the subway going to college with love story blaring in my ear while I mourn a heartbreak I have not had at this point, but damn it if I'm not feeling the heartbreak. So, and it was just on a loop. It was the, this was the day of the iPod. Like I didn't even have an iPhone then. Yeah. And it was the top played song on my iPod by a very wide margin. Oh, I bet. Oh yeah. I, so, yeah, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so I think this album came out in 2008, November of 2008 and I remember getting it. I was a undercover Swifty at that time. So I was like very slick about things and like convincing my mom to go to Target on like release day without like making it obvious that I wanted to go to Target for Taylor Swift and then be like, hey, this album sounds cool. <laughs> I was a very strange child. I would have been 15 when this came out. Um, I have very distinct memories of putting the CD into my laptop back when laptops used to actually have CD players and just mm-hmm. listening to this track like this whole album and like one specific track, which we'll get into later in the season. Hey, Steven is my favorite from this. I'll probably end up saying multiple times like, oh, this is my favorite from this. But Hey, Steven was the one that like I 
pinned on a guy that I had a crush on. <laughs> so, so many of these tracks, just like one singular guy. Uh, so it's really, it was really fun to go back and listen to this whole album. And then of course, earlier this or last year now, I was going to say earlier this year, but it is 2022 <laughs> what is time? now. It's what is time? Um, a while ago, we got the re-release uh, that just brought back all of that nostalgia. And I want to know what were, what were your thoughts revisiting this album as a re-release? Did you like seek it out to kind of rehash that nostalgia or did you kind of like approach it slowly, like one song at a time? I took it one song at a time. I just listened to like, to like my favorites because I, because I purchased it, like um, the Fearless album, I didn't stream it. So I don't feel any guilt about listening to the old version. Yes, um, same. And I still <laughs> listen to it all the time. So listening to the re-release it was almost like the the album grew up with us Mm -hmm. like the sentiment is still there but it's not like fresh raw heartbreak it's a 30 old 30 year old reflecting on her heartbreak Mm -hmm. with the exact same words and it just it's less angry and more thoughtful not that this is a particularly angry album this isn't the angry album more like the mopey album but it it doesn't feel as raw anymore Mm -hmm. and it's more like wistful even though very little has changed other than like her voice, you know, maturing over the last, how long has it been? Oh my God. Uh, it was 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Which is just wild. I think this is the album that has a through line into the folklore and evermore album. Cause like you said, it is a lot more thoughtful, thoughtful, a lot more, um, poetical a lot more literary she has Mm -hmm. especially with love story which is our first song that we're going to be talking about obviously romeo and juliet influences she references the scarlet letter it's very much that same vibe that we get in these newer albums that she's been putting out Uh, and i personally love that as like a lit person oh yeah Uh, just brings me so much joy um so i guess i guess it's time to start talking about love story since we're just gonna do it right into it i'm so excited to talk talk about nothing but love story (laughs) i know like i could talk about this song for so long uh so this is the lead single on the album it comes in at three minutes and 57 seconds not nearly enough time honestly i could have lived with the song for much longer um so the song like i said references romeo and juliet the scarlet letter it was written about a boy that taylor swift liked introduced to her family and friends but it never went anywhere and they didn't particularly like him for some reason it's never really explained like what the difference was just that he was like from the different side of town i don't know what that means oh no yeah it's and it's and it almost makes me wonder like was he really or was that just like taylor's like view of things because we all know when you're like a high schooler and like the guy already has his driver's license and he's a little bit like he hangs out at the gas station like oh he's from the other side of town like it feels very teen melodrama to me just like the description of this but somehow that teen melodrama gets translated into an absolutely gorgeous like renaissance painting inspired music video which i think is probably taylor's most iconic music video i think this is the one that everyone whether you love taylor swift or you hate her you've seen this music video um i love it um it's gorgeous oh my gosh so much i use this this is really going to date me uh, and, and just age me so much. I use this music video so often in like fan videos. Um, I did a lot of like historical drama fan videos and um, some like weird Doctor Who AUs and like weird stuff when like I was a teenager. And I use this so often because it has such beautiful like 
scenery and imagery and just like everything about it is very much like niche to my interests. Uh, so it was just, it was funny to rewatch this and be like, oh yeah, that was not something that I dreamed up for like this fictional story I came up with. That was from this music video. Uh, thanks, Taylor. The first book, quote unquote, I ever wrote when I was like 17, 18, and I thought this was going to be the next big thing. Um, in retrospect, it was terrible. But um, aren't they all? Be, they, oh my God, it's like so cringe. But the entire thing, all 100 pages of it or whatever, was scored to this. Like almost exclusively. But I... as much as the story makes me cringe like it's a miracle that the song doesn't even though i associate it so closely with this i i wrote a like historical drama when i was about 15 i guess 15 or 16 and i I have some notes from it and it's terrible and it was called truth and consequence and yeah this was the soundtrack for it i i burned like i made a music video set to the song with like other actors obviously uh yeah really just aging myself. Luckily, all those videos are gone from YouTube. Um, but it's, it's so funny to, you know, talking about nostalgia and reflecting on like the way that we have also grown up. And like, I, I like to think that our writing's better and our ideas are better, even though Taylor Somehow Swift is still scored to Taylor Swift. <laughs> still scored to Taylor Swift. And this song still ends up on every playlist that has anything romancy, uh, which I think is just, it's just cool that we've grown up with her in so many ways. Um, but the music video um, was filmed at Castle Gwyn in Arrington, Tennessee. Absolutely gorgeous castle. Uh, now I would hope if she ever remade it, she would do somewhere over in London or England, outside of London, somewhere at a real castle. Uh, I always did the video. What yeah, I would. I would love for her to um, after she does all of the re-releases, like selectively choose songs from all of the albums and make music videos for them i have like a fantasy of her doing this one at um the estate where pride and prejudice was filmed like that's oh, always man. been my dream that staircase wait wait not a video but down the line if she and joe decide to get married get married <laughs> what if their wedding photos are love story themed yes like, Taylor. what if though Look, it's corny just- but i'd do it if i wrote this song I'm just saying the pictures of her that were spotted in New York, she had her left hand tucked into her coat pocket and did not pull it out and like had to have somebody else open the car door for her because her she was holding stuff in her right hand. So I'm just saying, just saying. <laughs> she and Joe were engaged. We broke the story. Yes, we broke the story. You heard it here first. Uh, really hard hitting news story right here. Buried inside of just love story. 15 minutes into a Taylor Swift podcast. It's all good. It's all good. You heard it here first. Um, ironically, uh, during the re-release, uh, like the lead up to the re-release, this track was used on an ad for Match.com <laughs> um, that was devilishly good. Uh, it was that really iconic uh, Satan trying to figure out how to date. It was Ryan Reynolds' ad campaign because, of course, Ryan Reynolds just goes above and beyond the call of duty when it comes to ad marketing. So honestly, the best and only Match.com commercial I remember. So I guess it worked. I'm still never using the app. <laughs> I tried it once and I do not recommend it. I don't mean to slam it because Taylor is clearly okay with advertising it, but the best of the best that they show you before you have to pay for your profile is alarming. So if that's what you're showing me to get me to pay for the profile, I don't want to know what's hidden behind the paywall. Oh, that terrifies me. Yeah. yeah. No, no, definitely no. glad. Uh, definitely glad I've never tried that one. No. Um, so I guess my question to you is, 
what were your thoughts comparing the original love story with the new love story? It's honestly, it's like what I said before. And I think this kind of holds true for the whole album is it's just the new love story sort of sounds like it has that distance of age and perspective Mm -hmm. that they all kind of have where like, it's more reflective than raw emotion. Like I seen your notes, she wrote the song in 20 minutes. Like, The new version is not the girl who would write a song like this in 20 minutes. It's like the woman who remembers that strength of feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, it's like, I I can't comment on the actual like quality of it other than, you know, she sounds older, but, but yeah, it just sounds more reflective than, than the original does. Yeah. I think it's interesting when comparing the originals with the re-releases, which songs sound better with a more mature voice. And there's something about love story just because of the innocence and the youth of it. It's a very like yearning for this guy that everybody says is the wrong guy for you, but you know, he's the one, like he's the one I'm going to marry. Like that kind of like hopeful naivety is so much better suited to her younger voice. Mm -hmm. And that very raw, like you said, writing this song in 20 minutes sitting on her bedroom floor like that's the Taylor that this song really suits not to say that like present Taylor doesn't sound good singing this because I would love to hear this song live yeah Uh, but I think there's just something that and maybe it's nostalgia speaking maybe it's remembering the first time I heard this track the first time I pinned this to some guy I was pining after Um, it just it it evokes so many yeah (laughs) oh my god every guy if I if I had a crush on you between like 2008 and 2011 let's be real um, I probably pinned this song on you. It's honestly embarrassing how many Taylor Swift songs I have pinned to some guy. Like it's, it's bad. Like when we get into like her era with Harry Styles, like that white t-shirt look thing, like every guy I ever had a crush on whoever wore a white t-shirt. I'm so sorry, but that song's about you. like it's just it's so funny um and I really hope that Taylor like just knows that her songs have been the soundtrack to so many people's weird pining but never actually having a relationship relationships (laughs) Uh, and that's what I love about because I I had I could have sworn that love story was written about somebody like she had actually dated and when I saw that she had not actually dated this guy I was like oh that's why it hits so hard you you get it because it's the pining it's the pining (laughs) It's about the pining. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ironically, the next track we're going to be talking about is also about the same failed relationship. Um, This is White Horse. Uh, It is uh, three minutes and 55 seconds long and was written by uh, Taylor Swift and Liz Rose. Ironically, it is also one second shorter uh, as a re-release than it is the original. I don't know what happened that one second. The previous track was the same way. I now feel like I need to go back and look at like final album count and see if she has some sort of like secret message in the, the numbers because we know this girl is into numerology. I was going to say it's probably a coincidence, but what the hell? No, that's I, I just, no coincidences. I know. That's what I'm like. I, she's trained us all. There is no coincidences. This probably is a coincidence. This is probably just like dead air or something that was on the old one because of some mid-2000s sound editing style or something who knows I just thought it was interesting um the track yet again kind of leans into these fairy tale aesthetics obviously the white horse the whole night you know knight in shining armor kind of aesthetics with this guy on a white horse kind of vibe I love it um 
and it's really about like the pain and disillusionment of a relationship. I think it's funny in the music video that it features uh, Taylor Swift ending a relationship via a phone call, which, you know, Joe Jonas notoriously, notoriously did. Uh, and this just brings me just some sort of weird joy. Um, the music video was directed by uh, Trey Fanjoy. She has done so many music videos. Like, look it up. It's insane the number of music videos she's directed. Uh, this one starred One Tree Hill's uh, Stephen Coletti, uh, as well as Taylor's friend Tia Spears, who appears as like her friend at the diner uh, where they go. Uh, and in the music video, she sees the guy with a redhead who is supposed to be like the other woman. Uh, and I think it's hilarious that there's like this through line through Taylor's entire career of her seeing the other woman as a redhead, which I mean, great time to be a brunette because usually we're the paint we're painted as like the the plain girl that the guy like we're the plain jane best friend so always or like the like plain looking brunette that the guy cheats on and realizes the blonde babe is like actually the one for him like so glad that she's like actually it's redheads they're the troublemakers which i mean like (laughs) uniting us against the redheads I have questions because Abigail is a redhead. Oh, damn. <laughs> like, what sort of weird resentment is going on there? Because I realized that I was like, hmm. Maybe she feels like she can, quote unquote, demonize the redhead. Because she can- oh, my best friend's a redhead. <laughs> She's like, it's different. Or Not the when same, they were- Abigail. Or when they were set at, like kids or something, Abigail was like, it's okay if you want to make redheads like the bad girl or something. We never get like, we never get any sort of representation and stuff. Abigail gets residuals from any video that makes redheads the demon. Uh, again, hard hitting news. You heard it here first. How she paid for college. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting. I read that allegedly Taylor had originally wanted to leave this track for her third album, uh, but she thought that if she released it with Fearless, that she had a shot of getting it onto Grey's Anatomy. And of course, her cat is named after Meredith. So that makes so much sense. I don't know if it is on Grey's Anatomy. I know some song of Taylor's has been on Grey's. Um, oh, but I mean, it's been on for so long. <laughs> Going to, what season 18 just keeps going this might have been one of the songs on grace i definitely knew which ones it was because i did pick it out for an article once but i don't remember what okay. songs they were now yeah i can't remember off the top of my head and i meant to take notes of it and it just completely blanked um but you know i i like this one because there's just there's so much good lyrics to this one mm-hmm How do you feel about this one? So it's interesting that you say that this is about the same relationship as Love Story because I did not know that. And yet, to me, like even back then, these two felt like such a natural pairing. Mm -hmm. Like the the glow and then the the disillusionment and the realization that your fairy tale is not a love story. It's actually like it's real life. It's quite painful. So I always remember like I don't remember if they fall back to back on the album, but I would on my playlist they would always go back to back because they just felt like such a such a natural pairing and like listening to it again for this i don't know why i bothered it's committed to memory but i'm like okay let's listen to it anyway but it was it took me right back like Mm -hmm. you know you're sitting in the car and it's raining and you've got your head against the window and this is the song you choose to play so much drama (laughs) like and again pinning it probably on the same guy you pin love story on 
Probably. Because he's not your knight in shining armor because he probably has no idea how you feel because you're he probably doesn't even know you and didn't tell him. But so yeah, so that's how this song makes me feel. I'm sorry, we're all reliving my <laughs> we're all year old uh, so many feelings. Psyche right now. <laughs> yeah, I it's funny because like Taylor Swift songs that relate to small towns always instantly like hit me in the feels because I and from a small town like there's a reason my twitter handle is maggie of the town like it's it's a it's a weird vibe and it's funny with taylor because obviously she's never really lived in a small town like homegirl lived in pennsylvania for a very short window of time before they moved to nashville which is not a small town that is a city my girl uh, but she captures the the feeling of small towns so well, which makes me wonder how many Hallmark movies she like consumes <laughs> because she gets the feeling so right. Uh, but when I was re-listening to this one, there's the line about like, this ain't a small town. Uh, this ain't Hollywood. This is a small town. I was a dreamer before you went and let me down. For some reason, it reminded me of Dorothea. Because mm-hmm. it has the same feeling of like, but in the reverse, because it's like, this is Hollywood. This isn't a small town. Like it's it's a very s- strange like through line. I don't it's know why. Maybe think- version. It's the grown up version. She's like I to she's moved into that bigger world now, mm-hmm. and, and I that's feel reality. Yeah, and I feel like Dorothea could be the girl from White Horse. Could be the girl from Love Story. Like there's a, a vibe to it, and I especially love the transition in the song from that's that line to the final. Like I think it's the final section of the song if it's not the the final one it's the second to last one where the lyrics shift to um this is a big world that was a small town there in my rear view disappearing now and we all know that taylor loves to use stuff happening in her car she's constantly driving i really want to know when she's doing all this driving so i just don't picture her as a driver and i say that as somebody who is also not a driver um but these it's just the way that she uses these imagery that like relates so well to her listeners like Mm -hmm. even though you know she is not driving herself around a small town you can drive yourself around a small town and sing this song and we have i have many times there is a stoplight in my small town that has had taylor swift songs sang it it's so many times that i have four separate tweets about it that i do not remember making (laughs) And yet, and yet, every like nine months, I remember to tweet this. I don't know why, uh, but it's just because Taylor captures that feeling of like having emotions, like you said, with the the rain falling against the window, and like picturing this guy that you can't have because he doesn't even know you exist. And yet, somehow, he managed to break your heart. Like the number of men who like barely knew my first name, who broke my heart when I was a teenager. They're just ruthless. I don't know what to tell you. It's one thing that like astounds me about her. And I was thinking about this in the general sense a couple days ago was, you know, we're of a generation with her. Like Mm -hmm. I'm within a year. You're like, give or take a couple. And just the way her music has like shaped our outlook on, you know, not outlook, but like the way we relate to relationships and the way it's always made us feel like we've always kind of been in that same place. My outlook. (laughs) It kind of did. Like, this is why. I drifted away from being a Swifty for a while because there was a while where I, a time where I was just like, I don't relate to you anymore because you're having these heartbreaks, these big world experiences. It just wasn't my reality. So like, it mm-hmm. didn't speak to me anymore. And then all the newer stuff started to again. But this album in particular, just, 
I don't know how, like, voice of a generation, truly, like, it spoke for a whole generation of young people in their unrequited love and their unrequited heartbreak. And and those like, of us who just made up relationships in our those heads to actually fit into her songs. Yeah, like, for sure. And then, yeah, like, those of us- who I've never been in love, me, but yeah, was, I know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, we, we decided we knew how it felt in real life with the people who didn't know we existed. And when we- you know, decided not to delude ourselves too really much. Sad we girl hours. Relationships and we're like, yes, this, this is this. I'm feeling it. I'm writing it. And therefore I'm feeling it. It's the same. Exactly. Thing. I'm like, if I'm writing this, if I'm making fan videos to this, I understand what love is. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Taylor. I wrote a terrible, terrible young adult novel. Therefore I understand love like that. Exactly. But the fact that it's so visceral that we can have these memories associated with it. And does it make us cringe in retrospect? It really hit something. Yeah. That's what I love. Like, I never regret how cringy I was about Taylor Swift music that I ascribe to people. There's others. Like, I I recently re-listened to, like, some Maroon 5 tracks, and I was like, oh, man, I was embarrassing. (laughs) But, like, Taylor Swift never fills me with regret, (laughs) Um, which I guess is, you know, kudos to her. It's, it's because she spoke to you on such a like cellular level. It's so such a part of who you are that you can't feel cringe about it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And her next the next track that we're talking about is an absolute power ballad. And one of my favorites. Again, I'm just going to say one of my favorites. Just assume that they're all my favorites, because honestly, this is a really no skip album for me. There's like one or two tracks that like if I'm listening to it multiple times, I might skip that on the first go round, not a skip. You're not sorry. Clocks in at four minutes and 21 seconds. It's one of the longer tracks on the album. Um, Taylor's version is the same length, which is why I think it's weird. The love story and white horse are not the same length, but it's one second. I'll let it She's go. She's sending a message. She's sending a message. I'm, I'm convinced I've cracked the code. Uh, so this track is about Joe Jonas, allegedly. And it is supposed to be in reference to the Jonas Brothers song, Sorry, which is why this is You're Not Sorry. Hilarious. <laughs> obsessed. Petty. I love it. This has never been confirmed, but I would like to believe in it. Um, we know that he has inspired a few tracks. I cannot wait to talk about Mr. Perfectly Fine. Uh, big mood there. <laughs> but... Uh, It is inspired by an ex who turned out to be the opposite of what she thought they were. Uh, Really relate to that as somebody who has never had an ex, but I will, uh, I will assume. (laughs) Yeah. Crushes that we've had, you know, that didn't turn out to be who you thought they were. They're not sorry for breaking our hearts, even though they had no idea. (laughs) Exactly. Of course they're not sorry. Uh, So interestingly, this is a track that was remixed for Crime Scene Investigation, which I was a huge CSI fan. Like, I'm talking, my life would stop when that episode was on television. Um, I remember being, maybe this is my cringe moment. I remember being like, I don't care about CSI tonight. I could miss it. I could live without it. Like I was a huge CSI fan. And then suddenly I found out Taylor Swift was in this episode. Mind you, she, she acts, she's a victim. She's a victim of crime. (laughs) And the scene is investigated. (laughs) Shocking. Shocking. Uh, But I, I remember it was hyped up. It was, there was commercials. I don't know if you remember like 
mid 2000s television commercials and they just have like a very they hit differently they hit so much different oh, than how commercials the music are today they would put on these things the music the drama the way that it was so expertly cut like now i feel like they don't tease what's coming next in television like you have no, no time it just happens but mid 2000s for swifties who might be listening to this who are babies and do not remember the mid 2000s they just hit differently and i remember this commercial was on like constantly like every time i watched a lot of soap operas going up so like the television was always on see this and i'd be like yeah i know i could live without csi i don't need to watch it this week like it's it's fine like i was one of those kids like i didn't want to admit that i like taylor swift was an undercover swifty i was very embarrassed by it just because people were so mean about it and i was already like i already wore glasses and i had braces and a retainer like i had enough working against (laughs) me going on i didn't need this um but I, I then was like watching it as soon as it was on, like watching the whole thing. I remember the whole episode, but the song plays in it. And I think the remix is really fun. I wish she had done the remix as Taylor's version, but she didn't. I don't know if maybe that's not in what she's allowed to remix um, or maybe re-release. CBS or whatever yeah. work on CSI. Um, but it was, it was fun. Um, and I think this is a really good track not just because it's a power ballad and not quite as country as some of the other tracks on this album, but just because it, it's, it hits differently. It's, it's very, I think you referenced at the top of the episode about like angry. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, it's not angry so much as it's just like very emotional and it's, it hits differently as Taylor's version and I think it's because she has the maturity of somebody who's gone through more of this kind of heartbreak and the more of like, realizing that people are liars and cheats and like will hurt you and i think that taylor's version comes with a lot more of that built into that that makes that a much better version like i would definitely listen to taylor's version over my cd of fearless any day Um, and i particularly love the line and you got your share of secrets and i'm tired of being the last to know like is there anything worse than having somebody who you are close to a romantic partner anyone that makes you the last person that finds out about their secrets. Like you have to find out about it from somebody else. Like there's, there's a certain level of like betrayal. Viscerally terrifying. Viscerally terrifying. Like that is my biggest fear. And I was like re-listening to this and I was like, Taylor, did you cause this fear? (laughs) I was like trying to remember like the first time I like recognized that feeling. Cause it's, it's a feeling you don't always have a word for because it, it feels kind of weird to say that you're betrayed by like finding out something about somebody without them telling you first but it is it's like this it's just visceral it's like a mm-hmm. visceral fear of finding that out and I I feel like this is the first time that I consciously remember hearing somebody bring it up in a song in a poem in any sort of media um in such a like relatable way because it's it's not like the main focus of this it's just one of the things that went wrong in this relationship i think it's just because she's so good at like pinpointing not just the big like the big betrayals but like all of the little things that make something go sour yeah because terrifying yeah it's absolutely terrifying and then when you're that young like everything feels that big like when you're you know when you're 30 if it was something like this, it would hurt, but like, it's not, maybe not the end of things, but when you're 18, like, this is it. You kept a secret from me. You don't trust me. You've betrayed me. Like, it's relatively small, but it feels so, so big in her hands. Like, Mm -hmm. 
in a song like this. And I didn't remember this one very clearly before I re-listened to it for this. I'm like, damn, damn. Like, although it is funny, you said like, it sounds less country. I'm like, this is country. Like in a way that the other <laughs> two aren't. Not like aggressive country. Like very, yeah. like, just general. It's the, the but. themes of country it's without the so much of the heavy it's... like twang. Yeah, it like, it hits those raw, very almost like storytelling mm -hmm. beats to it like you get the sense that this is about something very real in a way that a lot of really good country music is so mm -hmm. so i really appreciate that about this song yeah like really pour one out for joe jonas thank you if you are indeed the inspiration for this i'm confident you are you did us a solid you helped us uh give names to things that we can now uh point out in future relationships uh I think that's the thing that terrifies me about Taylor Swift like I feel like anybody who's in a relationship with her has to know that like she will find your flaws <laughs> and like, she'll write a song about it and, and you will, will thank her and you will thank her and honestly I mean we'll talk about Mr. Perfectly Fine later in the season obviously but I think Joe's thanked her for it Joe Jonas has thanked her like his uh his wife loves it so <laughs> And that's honestly was like my favorite part of the fearless re-release was like how hard Sophie went for this track. And it's funny because like, I think Sophie's like a year older than I am or like it's, it's not big, that big of an age difference. And so it's funny to think like she was, she was like 15 when this came out. Like she, she's like what? 29. She just turned... feels younger than is I she think younger she is. Than Hang on. Okay. Now I'm like, maybe she's 27. She's 25. Oh, okay. So she was like 10. I, I I thought for sure she was older than me. Okay, well, now I feel like even less accomplished because she is, she is baby and she has done she's so much. So she's like she's, so small. She's a baby and she has a baby and she's married to Joe Jonas and she's famous. Anyways, I've done nothing with my life. Um, <laughs> anyway, here we are. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I, I loved how like she was clearly a fan of this. Uh, when she was younger and was like very excited about the re-release which I would love for anyone who is famous and now with one of Taylor's exes who listened to the music when it was on to just reflect on the idea of listening to something and then eventually being with that person that was the subject of a song I, I want to talk to you <laughs> like I just want to know what it feels like because that has to be such a weird thing like especially if you know Sophie, for instance, had ever pinned these songs onto somebody else that she liked. I'm just imagining like 10 year old Sophie in the car, like I could be head against older, the like 12 year old yeah. Sophie in the car with her head against the window, like singing White Horse or whatever to herself. And I'm like, oh, it brings me joy to think of that. Um, I love, I love that. Um, and I would love it even more if I ended up with Tom Hiddleston and I could listen to Getaway Car and be like, <laughs> that's my favorite track because uh, the, the rest of the, the the boys just would not work for me. Oh, Harry Styles maybe, but you know, but let you know. I mean, style is a good track, but <laughs> I feel like we have gotten so far off topic now, but it's still Taylor Swift. Because so, this is bringing out all of the raw Taylor emotions, not just the ones tied to these three songs. 
so many. Uh, it's just Taylor Swift is always an experience, both when listening to old songs and listening to new songs, which I hope we have more of very soon, because she does always make us think so much deeper about things, which I think is so interesting. Like there's a lot of musicians I listen to and I have never put the same amount of energy into them. Like I was re-listening, like I mentioned to like Maroon 5, I used to listen to uh, Overexposed every time I drove to college. It was like about an hour. I could get the album in about an hour. And I was listening to it again, actually on the same drive. And it was just so funny that I had never thought about any of these songs in like the last five years. <laughs> but then like Taylor Swift is something that like I constantly think about. I'm constantly like being like, oh, this song reminds me of this song and oh this song's about this person and like oh this song's pulling from you know Shakespeare she loves utilizing Shakespeare I mean there's so much of that infused into her music and I think Taylor's just like a really interesting artist to look at because I, I can't picture having like a multi-season like look back on Adam Levine's musical career like well I was like, I was thinking, you know, there's some artists who sort of, when they come out, that's their sound and that's the sound they stick to. And then there are some artists, like I'm thinking like Madonna off the top of my head, who like anytime mm -hmm. she came out with something new was a total reinvention. Lady Gaga is the same thing. Arguably, I think she does it better. It's less jarring, but it's still a total yeah. reinvention. But with, with Taylor, like we talk about, you know, her red era, her reputation era, whatever. And they are definitive stylistic, both vocally and like personally eras. But she does that transition so well, especially like among a certain generation that did grow up sort of with mm -hmm. her. That, you know, when you're 30, she's not making the same music she was making when you were 15. So you're more inclined to listen to that, which means you're probably going to keep up with her back catalog too, because you you like how it made you feel. So yeah. I think that's why like she never went away because. Yeah. Even when she did, she was her. still here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think. I'm sure some people on Twitter might despise this comparison, but it reminds me of the Beatles in a lot of way. Like yeah. the Beatles had a very distinctive style. And even when that style changed the way that their music evolved with them and the way that they wrote their songs and the way it related to a generation, I, I think is really similar to the way that Taylor does. And I think that's why she, she has praise from people like Paul McCartney, who they recognize that kind of generational impact that a songwriter will have uh, because it's, it's very similar to something that they've, you know, also experienced. And I think that that's why, you know, I have a podcast like this now and, you know, I want to talk about the way that Taylor has impacted us and the way that we have so many memories and packed in nostalgia for all of these tracks. I mean, she has a huge catalog of music and it's, kind of wild that we all have very visceral reactions to some of these tracks that we grew up with. Um, and I'm really excited to continue to explore Fearless uh, the rest of this season. Uh, so I just want to thank you for thank joining you. me today to talk about these three tracks. Um, as always, you've been listening to Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast on the Geeky Waffle Network. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me over at Maggie of the Town and over on the podcast at Taylor Swift Pod. Uh, where can folks follow you and find you, Arzu? So you can find me mostly on Twitter. That's where like Linktree will link you to everything, but I'm at Arzu Amin. And then, yeah, you can find me podcasting on the Geeky Waffle Network, hosting Space Waffles and co-hosting the Geeky Waffle and Straight Out of Home Video. 
and writing on their website on Wealth of Geeks, Collider, rzudt2.com. I'm all over the place. You are everywhere. And I think, yes, it's true. And next month, I think you might be joining me again. Not 100% sure, but I'm sure you will be back many times this season. (laughs) Uh, Next month for the next episode, it is going to be the best day as we sing our song, Just the Way I Loved You. Until then.